1 Peter 1, 6-7 says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, not be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, if need be. When we go through a trial, there can be many reasons this trial is happening. We need to look to God in the trial. Trust God in the trial. See how God can use us to help others in the trial. Perhaps we can be a comfort to others going through a similar trial that we have made it through. In a trial, we tend to recognize we tend to recognize our total dependence on God. But in reality, this is how we should view all parts of our life whether we are currently going through a trial or not. A trial just helps bring it to the forefront, bring it to the surface. First thing we're going to look at here is the paradox of the trial. The paradox of the trial. If need be, we find that in 1 Peter 1.6. The word paradox means an argument that produces an inconsistency, typically within logic or common sense. Well, to my finite thinking, I could think of no need to go through a trial. I would rather have everything go perfect all the time. Who wouldn't? This is where the paradox comes in in 1 Peter 1.6. It says, If need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. If need be, manifold temptations. Manifold temptations here means various trials you may be going through. The Lord may see a reason to put us through the trial, but we may not see the reason at the time. I've written down four reasons, four trials for us to go through here, and not only reasons, but four things for us to consider why we might be going through this trial at the moment. First one is repentance. Repentance. Acts 8.22 says, Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Second one I wrote down is reliance. Psalm 27 to 8. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but he will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Repentance. Reliance. The third one I wrote down is refinement. Another reason we might be going through a trial is for refinement. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We have repentance, we have reliance, we have refinement. And the fourth reason I wrote down that we may be going through a trial is revival. Psalm 80 verse 19 says, Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Of course, these aren't all the reasons we could be going through a trial. It's just four I wrote down and for us to consider. Repentance, reliance, refinement, and revival. Next thing I want to point out is the preciousness of the trial. You may think, I don't think my trial is very precious. But let's look at the preciousness of the trial. 1 Peter 1.7 tells us, Being much more precious than of gold, when faced with a trial... Our goal should be to be found unto praise and honor and glory, like it says in 1 Peter 1, 7. 
We need to guard our testimony in the trial. God will prepare us for bigger and better things through a trial. Remember, David did not fight Goliath out of the blue one day. He first fought a lion. He then fought a bear. Then he fought Goliath. Trials can be precious because if we let him, God can use them to make us more like Christ. Know the Lord is close to you in the trial. One of my favorite poems to illustrate this is Footprints in the Sand. When the man asks God why, during the hardest times of my life, is there just one set of footprints? Just one set of footprints, Lord, in the hardest part of my life. Why is that? And the Lord simply replies, It was then that I carried you. This illustrates the preciousness of the closeness of the Lord to us during the trial. We may not feel it, we may not realize it, but we have the preciousness of the closeness of the Lord during those trials. There was a preacher in the early 1900s that had a passion for souls. He was doing much good, much work for God. Many people were being saved everywhere he went to preach. He went through a trial, though, if needs be, like Peter said. The Lord used him in this trial to help someone at the time of that trial. And the tale of him going through this trial is still helping others today. In 1912, he was crossing the Atlantic to come to Chicago to preach. His name was John Harper. Some of you may know the story, or you may know where I'm heading with this. On April 14, 1912, the unthinkable happened. The ship he was on struck an iceberg, and it began to sink. The ship's name, possibly you've heard of it, was the Titanic. It was reported that Harper shouted, let the women, children, and the unsaved in the lifeboats. He gave his life jacket to another man after asking him if he was saved. And the man replied no, so he gave him his life jacket. He thought he was more important to survive this than he was, since he already knew where he was going if he didn't survive. He handed the man his life jacket. He also handed his six-year-old daughter to the deck captain with instructions. She get put in a lifeboat. The Titanic sank two hours and 45 minutes later. For 50 fearful minutes after that, there was piercing cries of people drowning in the dark, cold, frigid water. 1,522 people drowned that night, and Harper was one of them. During the trial, during the final minutes, a man drifting on a loose board came near Harper, and Harper shouted to him, Are you saved? The man replied, No. Then Harper quoted to him Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The man drifted off, still unsaved. A few minutes later, he drifted back towards Harper, who again shouted, Are you saved? And he repeated Acts 16.31 again. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Those were the last words anyone heard this preacher say as he slipped under the water for one last time. That man as he witnessed, that man he witnessed to accepted Jesus Christ as his savior. John Harper was loyal to God even in his trial unto death 
he was facing. With his last breath, with his last seconds on earth, he witnessed to a man, and that man was saved. We need to learn to trust God with the trials. We need to learn to trust God with the joys. Be found faithful to our Savior when you are being tested. Let your testimony be used unto the furtherance of the gospel. Next thing I want us to look at and consider is the praise in the trial. 1 Peter 1, 6-8 says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though ye now see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We are to rejoice in trials, rejoice in heaviness. Though our faith be tried by fire, we need to praise the one who died for us. We need to give praise to the Lord through our trial. If you are going through a trial, it could be the Lord thinks you are ready to grow more in him. It could be he thinks he can use you more for having going through or having gone through this trial. 1 Peter 1.8 tells us, Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Jeremiah 17.7 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. Is the Lord your hope? Your attitude in a trial can make or break you. Verse 6 tells us to greatly rejoice in the trial. Next thing we're going to look at is the position of security in the trial. 1 Peter 1.5 Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We are kept by the power of God. He has all power. We can trust in his love, trust in his power to see us through that trial. But how are we kept by the power of God in the trial? Verse 5 tells us it is through faith. Our faith in the all-powerful God sees us through our trials. It takes faith to get us through the trial. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And Galatians 2.20 tells us, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now let's look at the proof of our faith by the trial. We see that in 1 Peter 1, 9. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. God becomes more real to us as a result of the trial. That's one proof. Another one is we draw closer to God as a result of the trial. Another one, we can testify of his love, of his help, and of his deliverance from the trial. Another one, your testimony on God's provision through your trial can bring others around you hope and cause them to draw closer to God. James 4.8 
Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. The trial of your faith proves God's love for us, proves God's provision, proves it to those around us and to the world as well. Be that good testimony through your trial. So in conclusion, we learned about the paradox of the trial, the preciousness of the trial, the praise in the trial, the position of security in the trial, and the proof of our faith in the trial. Sometimes we don't understand the trial. We might not ever understand the trial. That is the paradox of the trial. But don't let that take away from the preciousness of God to us in that trial. Remember to praise God in the trial. Don't forget your position of security in the trial. And thank God for the proof of our faith as a result of the trial.